Welcome to Parker's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius. I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited that you're here, and I want to tell you why. I struggled for, for the last couple of weeks of what I was going to share this morning because I felt like there were some different things that God had laid on my heart. And as Kevin and I began to pray and, and look at what was going on, and God just made it very clear. So I want to say to you this morning, I believe God has something very specific to say to you this morning, okay? And I'm going to preach to myself this morning, so I hope that you will just be able to join in with me. Have you ever been in a situation where you came up with an excuse for something that you really didn't want to do? Anybody? Am I the only one? Two or three of you? I'm pretty good at excuses. And I came across some excuses the other day that I wanted to share with you that I thought were, were pretty good. Um, a couple of these are excuses that, are, uh, that were on accident reports. You know, when you have a wreck, you've got to fill out an accident report of what happened. Here's one that says, uh, in, attempt, in an attempt to kill a fly, I drove into a telephone pole. Here's another one on accident report. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. I want to stay out of that person's way. Here's one for missing work. I had morning sickness. That was from a guy. Just saying. Here's one for uh, school. Parent wrote this. Please excuse Joyce from PE for a few days. Yesterday she fell off a tree and misplaced her hip. Please excuse Sarah for being absent. She was sick and I had her shot. Nice parent, right? Here's one for missing work. I was here, but I fell asleep in the parking lot. I'm sure that'll go over well. And this is my favorite on an accident report. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. I'm sure mother-in-law appreciated that. Those are pretty lame excuses But you know what? A lot of times in life, especially when God's calling us to do something, we're pretty good at coming up with excuses too. And I want to share that this morning because I believe here's what God is saying. We have been praying for revival since the beginning of the year. I know pastors and churches that have been doing the same thing, praying that God would bring revival. And here's what God said to my heart this week, and I wrote it down. I hear your prayer for revival, and I am answering. How will you respond to my call? You see, that's what I want us to look at this morning. How can we respond correctly to God's call when he's answering our prayers? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 And we're going to look at a scripture that is probably very familiar to you, but I hope this morning that you will see the principles that are here, and I hope that you will see some things that parallel. In fact, it actually was very chilling, I guess, when I looked at this scripture and the things that God laid out and saw how it parallels so much what is going on in our world today. As Julie's already shared, and and I'm, I'm sure you're aware of, Guys, if there is ever a time that our nation needs to know who Jesus is, it is now. And I believe this 
Scripture is going to illustrate that. Read with me in Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22. Immediately he, speaking of Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. Now understand what was going on right here. Jesus just got through feeding the 5,000, okay? Verse 23, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. They were in a storm. Verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, He came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got in the boat, the wind stopped. I want you to see some things this morning that will help us to understand how how we're supposed to respond to God when he answers. The first thing that I want you to know in those first couple of verses is that we have to be in the correct position. Notice what happened. Jesus had just fed the 5,000, and he told them to what? Get in the boat and go to the other side, and he left them. But you know what? They had some choices. They could have said, you know what? I don't need to get in the boat. I'm going to go a different direction because, well, I'm in control. Pride can get in the way of us being in the right position, the correct position when God is calling out to us. Every one of us in some time, in some form in our life, we struggle with pride. We try to be in control. And these disciples right here had an option. Pride says, I am in control. But you know what else? They had the option to let fear take over. Fear says, I don't know who is in control. They could have said, not getting in the boat. I've heard about storms and different things happening. I've heard about boats sinking. I'm going to stay on land. I'm going to go a different direction because I'm afraid of what may happen. Sound familiar? I see a lot of people today that are driven by fear. And when God calls us, if we're not careful, fear will keep us from being in the correct position. But Jesus gave him another choice, and that was to be vulnerable. Now, I know we hear that word a lot today, and that's not what I'm talking about. The Bible makes it very clear. If we are to follow God, Jesus made it very clear. If we're going to follow him, we have to be totally open to him, and that means being vulnerable. That means totally allowing God to be in control. Being vulnerable means God is totally in control. What did he tell them to do? He said, I want you to get in the boat. Once they got in the boat and started going, hey, they were, they were out of control. It was totally up to God what was going to happen. And I want you to notice what happened there. Look at that scripture. It says they got in the boat. Jesus left them. Now, they were following God's will, right? You ever done something? You felt like this is what God's telling you to do? And then all of a sudden, you get in the middle of something and go, wait a minute, I don't understand this. These guys got in the boat, and guess what happened? The storm still came. You know, 
we sometimes think when God tells us to do something, when God calls us to be in a certain place, that everything's going to be all smooth sailing. But when we look in Scripture, folks, that is not true. You will not find anywhere in God's Word that He says when He calls you that everything's going to be smooth. He told the disciples, I want you to get in the boat and go to the other side. You see, the boat was just temporary. The boat was, was, was a tool to get them from one place to another, where they were to where God wanted them to be. Jesus said, get in the boat. Guess what? None of this stuff going on in our world, as Julie's already said, has caught God off guard. This didn't surprise him. This didn't just happen. And we need to remember that. If God is answering our prayer for revival, then we may need to make sure that we get in the right position, first of all. If we are going to be able to be used by God, we've got to first get in the right position. But I want you to see something else. At the beginning of verse 25, it says, In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Not only do we have to get in the right position, but secondly, we have to have the right focus. I want you to look at what happens here. Jesus, Jesus gave them some other options. They had some choices that they were in the boat. They could focus on circumstances. Here were the circumstances. Jesus told me to get in the boat. I'm in the boat. I'm out. The Bible tells us in John they were probably three or four miles away. And this big storm comes up. Don't know about you, but being out on a boat in the middle of a storm is probably not a comfortable place to be. Okay? They were scared. They thought they were going to drown anyway. <laughs> but on top of that, look at what happens. And on the fourth watch of the night. Anybody know what time of the night that is? That's between 12 a.m. and 3 a.m. I'm not much of a fisherman. The rest of my family loves to fish. They love to go out on boats. I've been out on boats a lot of times. I don't know about you, but if I'm in a boat in the middle of where, I don't care if I'm on a pond, at 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, somebody comes walking out there on the water, I'm scared, all right? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, that scares me. And look at what the disciple says. Oh, my gosh, they're terrified. It's a ghost. Jesus puts them in a boat. Sends them out there, lets the storm come up, and on top of that, he comes walking to them on the water. I'd be scared. You know why? Because that's unexpected and unexplained. Try explaining what's going on in our world today to somebody. Try figuring it out. Somebody who tells you they've got it figured out? No, they don't. God's the only one who knows. You know what? We don't need to know. But here's what Jesus did. It says that he came walking to them. You see, they had an opportunity. They could be focused on circumstances. The storm, here's this ghost coming out here. Everything is going wrong. And folks, listen to me. When we get our focus on circumstances, we become discouraged. We get depressed. We get confused. And that's what happens in our world because they don't know where to look. And as believers, if you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, you need to be focused not on circumstances, but on Jesus. Notice where Jesus was. He was walking, and they said the waves were tossing the boat, right? Jesus came walking on the waves. Jesus was making it clear that, hey, even though there's a storm, I'm under control, and I have it under control. He came walking out in the midst of the storm. And what was it he said when they said, oh, my goodness, it's a ghost? He said, guys, don't be afraid. 
it is me. It is me. He was walking on the water to show that he was in control. But here's what happened. The disciples weren't looking for Jesus because of the circumstances. Are we looking for Jesus today? Are we focused on the circumstances? You see, I'm afraid what's happening today is that we're missing an opportunity. I can't explain why everything has happened the way that it has, but I believe that today God has put a pause on life to reveal some things to us. Maybe it's to reveal those gods with a little g that we've been chasing around. Maybe it's to help us reevaluate our faith and see where it is grounded. Maybe it's to get our priorities back in order. Maybe family needs to be more important than it was. I don't know exactly what it can be for you, but I am telling you, people, people are searching. And what God's Word says is we need to be focused. And during this time, God is allowing us to see what's really going on. And we have a choice. We can be focused on circumstances or we can be focused on Jesus. I'll never forget my first Christmas that Julie and I were dating. That was a few years ago. But that first Christmas was a very unique experience for me. You see, for those of you who know Julie, you know, A, she loves to talk, right? And she loves people. Well, there's three others besides her. She has three older sisters, okay? Plus her mom. My first Christmas with the four girls, four Vines girls and, and her mom, and two of them had children. They were all under 10, five, five boys under 10. To say the word cray-cray, that doesn't become, I mean, that can't even come close to describe how Julie's family was at Christmas. I was sitting there looking around going, oh, dear Lord, what have I got myself into? But as a typical guy, what am I trying to do? Well, she's over there with mom and the sister, so I, you know, I'm not of the picture. I'm going to try to impress dad. Dad's sitting over in the corner while all this is going on, reading a book. And I'm like, i got to at least talk to him, you know, make a good impression. So I, I ask him a question. He didn't even look at me. I'm thinking, oh, dear Lord, he doesn't like me. I'm already out, and I hadn't even got started here. So I ask him another question. Didn't even look at me. Finally, I got up the nerve. I tapped him on the leg. He said, oh, so he pops out earplugs. He had earplugs in the whole time with all that noise. And I said, oh, so that's why you weren't talking to me. He said, son, that's the only way you're going to survive in this family. That's a true story. I love that man. Listen, he could focus on what he was doing because he could tune everything else out. He didn't let that control. What an illustration. Have you ever heard this scripture, and it's not going to be on the screen, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? You heard that? You see, what's happening is, is we have to remember, maybe God's telling the church, it's time to quit being conformed to the world and be transformed. Why? The end of that verse says, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. I hear people say, I just, I just wish I knew what God's will was then don't be conformed to the world. Where's your focus? Where's my focus? God's Word makes it very clear to us. We've got to be in the correct position. And we've got to have the correct focus if we're going to be used by God. But there's something else that I want us to understand. 
Listen, why are you here? Why are you here? I'm not talking about just physically being here this morning, but why does God have you here during this time? Why why does God have us here? Is it to make a difference or is it just to survive? I'm going to be dead honest with you. I see a lot of so-called believers today. They're just trying to survive, and it bothers me. At a time in our world where people need to see Jesus more than any other time, we're not supposed to be surviving. Is our focus showing Jesus to the world or trying to preserve our world? We need to make sure that our focus is in the right place because people need that. Be in the correct position. Having the correct focus. One other thing that I want to show you here, look at the last part where Peter says in verse 28, Jesus said, guys, take courage, it's me. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter said, all right, Jesus, if it's really you, then you tell me to come to you. You see, they had some choices at this time. Now, they could bail out, just jump ship and say, hey, I'm done with this Jesus guy. I didn't sign up for all this. Or they could sit out. Do you see any other names? We know the disciples were in the boat. We don't know exactly who. None of their other names were mentioned. Because some people decide to sit out, do nothing, stay away. I don't want to get involved. And I believe too many times in our world today, that's what Christians have done. We said, I'm just going to sit this one out. That's not what we're called to do. Peter said, I'm going to step out. He decided to get out of the boat where they had to see God. He said, Jesus, if it's really you, you tell me to come to you. Now, Peter wasn't asking Jesus to tell him something so that he could prove to the other guys that was God. That happens a lot today. I hear people say, well, if God would just prove himself to me, I'd believe in God doesn't do that. God's going to prove himself through us. As believers, he wants to use us to show people that he's real so that they can relate to him by the way that they relate to us. But what Peter did is he said, hey, Jesus, I want you to tell me to come to you. Peter asked for a command to action so that he could experience Jesus. He got out of the boat and he began to walk. Now, I know he also sank, right? He saw the waves and he began to sink. But guess what? Jesus came to him anyway. When he cried out for help, Jesus came to him. You don't see anywhere else in Scripture or hear about anybody else ever walking on water besides Jesus other than Peter. Peter did something that nobody else did because Peter was willing to follow through with his actions. You don't see anyone else mentioned there. Listen, folks, our actions impact life. It is time. Listen to me. It is time for people to see who Jesus is, and it's time for them to hear it. We've been hearing for the last 10 years, especially in in, in Christian circles. Well, now, you need to be very careful. You don't want to offend everybody. Listen to me. I don't care how offended people may get today. If we don't tell them the truth about who Jesus is, our world's going to be destroyed, and people are going to die and go to hell because of it. We have got to let people know who he is. We have got to let our actions speak. And I know what you're thinking, Gary, is this really all there is to it? I mean, a boat, a storm, a bunch of guys huddled up in a boat scared to death. This Jesus guy walking on the water and a guy who tried and he failed. Is that all there is? Now look, I want you to look back at the very first part. What did the Bible say that Jesus called them to do? He didn't call them to stay in the boat. 
he called them to go to the other side. What happened on the other side? Well, I want you to notice verse 33 and following. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Verse 34, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word into all the surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick. And they implored him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were cured. The people in the boat, the disciples, their faith was strengthened. They began to worship because they saw Jesus for who he really was. The people on the other side, they wanted to see Jesus. Now they heard about this guy. He was in Capernaum and Tiberias. They knew who Jesus was because of what the disciples had done and because of the things that Jesus had done in their lives. They wanted a part. They said, if we can just touch the cloak, if we can just have a little bit. I wonder today, if somebody was to look at my life and somebody was to look at your life and say, if I could just have a little bit of the Jesus that they have, I wonder if it would change their life like it did these people. You see, there are a lot of people today that are scared to get on the boat. Some of them are in the boat and they need help. Some of them are on the other shore, on the other side, waiting for somebody to bring them some good news. Let me ask you, are you on the boat? Are you walking on the water? Are you in? 1996 in Tampa, Florida, there were three teenage young men that decided they were going to have a good time one night. They were going to do something that was very funny. They were going to go around the Tampa area and they were going to switch road signs and steal some road signs and sit back and watch what people were going to do. And they went all, all over the place and put, put the road signs out. Go ahead and put those up there for me, Gabby. They put the road signs out in different places. And I want you to just imagine you're driving down the road and you got them switched. And they said they were sitting there. And people would pull up to intersections and they would be confused, especially people who lived there because they thought, well, wait a minute, I'm supposed to go here. When did that change? And they spent the whole day laughing and driving around and watching people, especially in the evening, get confused. And it was hilarious until Saturday night, the next night, these three young men had gone to a bowling alley. These are three different young men, not the men who switched the signs. They'd gone to a bowling alley to have a party. And they were with some friends. And they were leaving and they came to an intersection. And it was an intersection where the guys had removed the stop sign. They didn't know any different. They drove through the intersection and an eight-ton truck hit them and killed them instantly. And those young men went to prison for 30 years. Because they'd stolen the road signs and it had cost somebody their life. You see, the Bible tells us it's very obvious. We have to be in position. We have to have the right focus. And there has to be action. And I wonder in my life, and maybe it applies to you too, but I, I'm just afraid that maybe there's been times that I've removed those road signs. And I've caused people to go through an intersection 
or go the wrong way, even though I may not have intended to. And they may be headed down the wrong road because of my life. You see, God's Word makes it clear as we look at this. We have to be the road signs. As a believer, if you're sitting here this morning, if you're watching this morning and you know Jesus, then you're to be a road sign. Your life has to be full of action. And there has to be no doubt. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you satisfied with where you are? Are you where you're supposed to be? Are you ready for revival? If God is answering our prayer, then how are we going to answer? How are we going to respond? Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says this. But if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Jeremiah wrote that scripture when he was discouraged And he felt like life just wasn't worth living anymore. And he said, I'm not going to talk about God anymore. And then he came to the realization that he said, I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Here's what I want to ask you this morning. As Kevin comes up to play, as the praise band comes to, to lead us one more time, here's what I want you to think about. The question is not whether God's going to bring revival. The question is, am I going to be a part of it? Am am I going to be used? My response, listen to me, needs to be, God, how do you want to use me to bring revival? You see, we've been in the position of sitting back and waiting on God. We've got to be in the position where we're vulnerable. Our focus too many times gets on circumstances that needs to be on Jesus. And our actions need to make the road signs very clear of where we need to go. That concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.